Welcome to the podcast of MotorWeek, television's original automotive magazine. MotorWeek is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. Here's your MotorWeek podcast host, John Davis. Thank you, Alec Webb, and welcome everyone to MotorWeek Podcast number 157. I'm John Davis, like Alec said, and around our table today is writer-producer Brian Robinson. Hello, John. Our road test producer, Ben Davis. Hi. And our assistant producer, Greg Carlos. That is me. And our online content coordinator, Patrick <laughs> Lucas. Hello. And he's also our podcast producer. Hello, hello. A special hello to all of you joining us on Facebook Live today. Remember to drop us uh, drop some comments in or questions, and hopefully we'll uh, get a chance to interact uh, with, with all of you. Share it with your friends. Share it with your friends. Let everybody know, hey, Motor Week is on the air. <laughs> I just noticed there's a on camera the on Joe. There. Oh, is it really? Oh, wow. Hey, Joe. And Joe. Uh, Largo is back at Lar- Lar- Largo. <laughs> that's Thanks. Key Largo, and it's Joe Ligo. Yep. Is, that's uh, where I wish my, I was. Yep. One of our uh, crack editors is back there manning uh, the yep. entire Facebook Live apparatus. <laughs> I'll be filtering the comments <laughs> and send you guys only the best ones. That's he what actually I do. has a microphone yep. today. Yeah. Let's I'm keep it impressed. simple, people. Wow, this is very Don't impressive. make fun of any of us. <laughs> this is really Yeah, keep it simple. Don't. Well, we're not. We just won't answer your question <laughs> if you make fun of us. Thanks, yeah. Ed McMahon. <laughs> we have a lightning round, of course. A viewer question. I'm not sure if anybody's got a rant and rave, but they may by the time we get done with this. Man buns. Uh, and cars. <laughs> and uh, what? Man buns. That's my. Mm, well, I guess we'll get to it later. We'll get to I it guess later. I'm really thin. Gonna, You're going to have to explain oh, well, that. Oh, excuse myself. We'll get to All it right. Later. 2017 Chevrolet Camaro ZL1. We had it at Roebling Road in Savannah in January. This is the. Uh, Z06 engine Camaro. I thought it was pretty awesome, but I didn't drive it as much as you guys did. What'd you think? I came away thoroughly impressed, and I think of all the cool cars we had down there, and we had a lot of cool ones. This one probably impressed me the most with, I mean, keeping price as a factor and just the sheer performance that I got out of it. Now, granted, I'm not a professional driver, but I felt like I could do things in that car that I probably couldn't. I could not in a lot of other cars. Would you say, and I think, Brian, you were the one that... You drive. You are a professional driver. Yeah. I I guess technically by the definition. Believe me, you are. Uh, There are different levels. I think Brian Robinson said that he felt, and correct me if I'm wrong, didn't you say something like you felt that this car um, had sort of broken the same kind of barrier that the current uh, Corvette does as being... World class is an overused term, but basically being that good to least, stand on. Yeah, some. stepping into the world stage more so than just the redneck rocket that you know people want to soup up. Uh, I think it definitely made it there. The big question I have: almost everything we said about it, uh, we said the exact same things about the GT 350R last year. Hmm. So, uh, I'm wondering, uh, what do you guys, uh, what do you guys think about uh, which one would you buy? Oh, a direct comparison. Yeah. Wow, I would still go GT 350R camp, yeah. but. Uh, by by far and away, the ZL1 definitely impressed me. Uh, not only is so it why, why capable then? and all, you know, it, why would I go like the, GT350? Yeah, you just like the feel a little bit better? I mean, I remember that in that test we were um, over the top about that. That's a good question. Yeah, I think I like the feel a, better, a little bit better. Uh, maybe it comes down simply just to design and style. 
I think I like visibility the has something to do with it. You can certainly yep. see out of the GT, and we still didn't get a true apples to apples because apples comparison because we did have the ten speed mm-hmm. auto in the uh, which was the ZL1, new, which, new thing, and it, well, it took a little bit to get used to, especially on a track that we'd driven so many laps on. And I have an idea in my head of what gear I need to be in and which corner. And this one, I kind of had to throw that all out of the window because there's so many gears and they're so tightly spaced that it, would, it took a few laps to get mm-hmm. used to, but. If you left it, if you left it to shift on its own, it, I felt it got a little bit confused. It wasn't quite where I wanted it to be, uh, but just use the paddles, and it was fine. Despite the paddles feeling kind of cheap, yeah, they were. They needed to be upgraded a little <clears throat> bit for that price. Yeah, I, I should note that of all the cars we took down there, some of them we had some severe tire problems with. This car we did not we ran it hard for four days and it had enough tire to drive home yeah between the brakes not fading a bit and the tires holding up i mean it was probably to me says it was really set up really well it was wasn't there optional brakes that we didn't get on that car was that that car? Does it have carbon ceramic brakes as an option? Because it didn't have them, I don't think. I don't, it could have been a different car I was thinking about. Uh, yeah. It, it had the the Lambo didn't which, have it. Yeah. didn't have carbon that ceramics. That was something else. That ZL1 sounded amazing, too. It was a howler. It did. But did it sound as good as the GT350R, which I don't think it did. It was close, but I don't think it sounded as yeah, good. Uh, yeah, I mean, it was close. It all depends on your, your flavor. It was plenty loud, though. No debating that. For sure. Well... The only other question I've got, are they still even apples to apples? Because let's face it, the GT350R really is supposed to be a track car. And it's devoid of almost all accoutrements to drive on the street. So then you just go GT350 versus ZL1? I mean, what are we Um, we actually going to compare the two? I was thinking there could be a ZL1R package at some point. Well, no, they just announced a ZL1-1LE, which is even more track. Yeah, almost like the remember the Boss Tier Two, then the right. Laguna Seca version, uh, almost like that. Uh, so that would be a that, that would, would be that probably would, a direct. We need to make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. Let's move on to another car that I think we came away with from uh, Roebling very impressed with, the Jaguar F Type SVR. Um, we said and uh, the time, and we also have said in our road test, uh, and Brian Robinson again is responsible for this. I just sort of read quote. other people's quotes. I don't yeah. come up well, with it myself. The best, well, we were talking about the F-Type in general, the best non-American muscle car we'd ever driven. And uh, this car was like over the top in that aspect. It certainly has that feel. It feels more like, you know, a Camaro or Mustang versus getting in like a 3 Series or M3 or something like that. It's just big, loud, heavy. And beautiful. Yeah. I mean, it's a gorgeous car, I think. I um you you drove it a lot. Right? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I drove it plenty, and I actually was able to. I drove so much of the pre of the regular F type, the coupe, and the roadster that I felt like I had a great baseline for when I jumped in the SVR. And <clears throat> I was pretty shocking at how much better the SVR was than the roadster we had at Roebling a few years ago. I mean, this thing was really planted. Yeah, it steps out a little bit, but I mean, again, this was all wheel drive, correct? Yep. So, but that's what you want. Exactly, yeah. right. I mean, you would just put the power down, and it would just hunker down and just blast out of corners, man. I think the suspension tuning that they did and everything else just really came together. I was, it was another car that I was shocked at how far they came from the original car that I drove. So, well, I guess the podcast is over, right? No, no. <laughs> no for the, you know, yeah, it's yeah, a mic drop on, statement. Yeah. 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 Looking on paper, the updates, yeah, didn't look that uh, comprehensive, but... 
like you say, on track. It's, it it's felt a great like a package. totally different car. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It reminds me of uh, you were talking about uh, the Mustang and the GT350 when it came out. We were just all kind of aghast at how what a great total package it was. And that sort of seems like the same thing applies here. Um, the, the, another vehicle that we were going to talk about today, and the poor thing has to follow these two awesome performance cars, and that's the 2017 Nissan Rogue, which is not wow. all new, but it's uh, been thoroughly updated. <laughs> what was that? I was trying to create like, a little enthusiasm. Oh, well, you I know what? It was, uh, I think displeasure. It, no, no, no. Look, what Nissan, to me, Nissan. what Nissan has a great <laughs> habit of doing is taking a market that's owned by somebody else and sliding in an incredibly capable alternative. Slightly cheaper version. Uh, slightly cheaper, maybe a few more features for the money. And when you look at this and look at the Rogue, which was already, you know, a, a solid performer, and look at the updates, and they've slid it under the new CRV, and you know the CRV is probably going for a pretty much full list everywhere. I think it's a very comparable vehicle. I don't know if I'd buy it instead of a CRV if I had the money for both, but I was impressed that it how solid it was and what a good you know, family of five little SUV it is. The big news was a hybrid version now, which joins the RAV4 hybrid is the only other compact crossover that you can get a hybrid in. But but and, we had a problem with it. Yeah, well, I mean, I wouldn't say it's a problem. It just it was not very hybridy. I mean, you could not spend very much time in electric only uh and almost any throttle at all and and the fuel economy wasn't that outstanding fuel economy was wasn't anywhere as good as the rav4 Mm -hmm. but i mean for a first you know entry you know maybe i should say i think it was still well over 30 so i mean it wasn't bad for correct uh, i think it was right around 30 whereas we got like almost mid 30s in the rav4 yeah but i mean for crossover sure that's fantastic but Often when when people come to me and they're looking for, you know, compact uh, crossover utilities and you run through the the normal group of suspects, including RAV4 and and CRV, and and you take a look at Hyundai and Kia, and then you say, oh, yeah, I forgot the Nissan Rogue. And a lot of times that's the one they end up buying because they're good deals on them. And I think it's also important, given that fuel economy uh, is not quite as important to people as it was, say, two years ago, that they've gone ahead and come out with a hybrid. Because, you know, that they, that thing will come back into fa- – fuel economy will come back into fashion some point, someday. What do you think about how they marketed it with the uh, uh, premiere of uh, Star Wars Rogue One and they kind of <laughs> slid in there and, and – and, uh, I don't think I'm qualified to themselves. answer that because that just – didn't, didn't it made do a darn for thing fun for displays me. at the auto shows. I'll say that. I mean, it was clever. I'm glad that you know. I'm sure their marketing people were all on top of that to do it. It didn't wouldn't sway me to buy it. Would you? Probably not. Yeah. I mean, but I could see where it definitely get. Well, thinking about we, just, it. We, were, we were just talking about. But I guess it got it better known within the. Yeah. Well, yeah, the exactly. Because we, fans we just we just said that it can get lost right. next to Rav Four CRV, yeah. and this they and took they whatever go. they could, and yeah. they brought a lot of attention. Did to they it. actually have one in the movie? I didn't see it. <laughs> no, no, it, would, it would have been cool like to see <laughs> some kind of full blown Star Wars fan based rogue, though maybe with like an X wing paint scheme on it that was really battle damaged and see they stuff need looking. to hire you benny 
and then have a super limited run. That would really get a lot of attention. That probably Maybe. would sell okay, There too. was like a limited. They did. They had there the, was a limited. There was like a, Rogue, a Star Wars I mean, a Star edition. Wars edition. Yeah. Or you could get, you could also what get one with like. Do you, do you remember? Oh, it just it came with a, a helmet. Yeah, you could yeah. get a Death Trooper oh, helmet. That's weak. <laughs> that's pretty cool. Well, I, I mean, not really, because if you're really into Star Wars, it was the only way really you could get an exact replica from like a Lucas-approved replica of that yeah. element yeah. well whatever we we do have a question <laughs> regarding nissan going back to oh. the jaguar uh f-type a guy said you had said earlier the f-type was the best non-american muscle car well vince wants to know your thoughts on the uh gtr as a sort of non-american you know sports car muscle car kind of thing how's that compare? well i think it's it's it Falls in that category, but I don't know. I I think it's I kind think it of a. I think it's all the boxes of it, and it's a real. You know, it hasn't been redone uh, uh, since GTR? it came out. Well, they only yeah, it's still the basically 17. the same car. Though. Uh, yeah. yeah, but I mean, it, it, still, isn't, it isn't like I don't all look at it as a muscle car. It's like a. It's really sophisticated it's like with a turbo. It's a tuner, except it, it rattles and squeaks. Oh, I had a good one there. Yeah, I do like that aspect of it, but I mean, I don't know. It's, it's like a stitched together Frankenstein yeah. version. All right, all right of there you go. Italian exotic, American muscle car, and Asian compact. Now, does that it's make like, it a muscle car? I don't. Not to quite me. Think it's more so. of an exotic. Yeah, upper but level. I don't get any I, muscle car. I think out you of could it. group yeah. all these cars into a still of a pony car class, though, because certainly the GTR is in the same vein as the Camaro. I mean, it almost to me looked like the Camaro ZL1 the way it looked now and at the track it sh- it it looks like what the GTR by all means should look like by now, you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. I agree. So yeah, I mean it's a pony car much like Turbo what you six consider, you versus know, V8s. But I mean, yeah, when but they- they're all about the same size, same configuration, two doors, you know. I mean, it's all wheel drive, but yeah, I mean but when Nissan launched it, it was basically launched as kind of like both a, a, a Corvette fighter and, and an entry-level exotic. And, and I think that's probably still kind of what they are doing with it. Well, we have it. a GTR test coming up yeah. very shortly. That we do indeed. Interested. Our answer is it's yeah. whoever you yeah. are. Yeah, well, watch the next what I, podcast. What I meant to say was muscle car, no. But if you widen that definition mm-hmm. up to be pony car, then, yeah, you can throw it in there. Yeah. So I hope that – what's his name? Uh, his name was Vince. 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 I hope that uh, confuses you less than we thought it would. <laughs> and, and on the subject of Star Wars, Ryan agrees with you, John, that the Star Wars thing wouldn't be enough to convince him to buy a Rogue. No, but I think the point was made that was a very valid one, that it probably got the Rogue noticed by a younger audience than would normally be uh, attuned to it. And, you know, the younger buyer out there, if they can afford a new vehicle, they are looking for advanced technology, and that's where the hybrids come in. So <laughs> it was probably a a pretty smart marketing move on a couple of levels Uh-oh. that didn't do much for me. <laughs> I was going to add something. Just to, Joe does such a great uh, job with the video version of this podcast. I'm just going to throw something out here just to make him work a little extra hard. Uh, I can remember when Star Wars was launched in the 70s, Toyota Celica came in a Star Wars package. I mean, the thing was Star Wars mural from front to back, and they made a couple of them and gave <laughs> them away. Down. So yeah. now I need to find and a picture of that. Is they that were yeah, awesome yeah, looking, yeah. and I think Rogue should have done something like that. Oh, wow. <laughs> All right, let's move on to our lightning round. We've got two minutes to debate a trending automotive topic. And within the last couple of weeks, both Consumer Reports and J.D. Powers uh, have released major new car surveys. Uh, this is something they do uh, every year. And the top and the bottoms of the list were extremely similar. 
Uh, when looking at the Consumer Reports list, uh, their top uh, brands were Audi, Porsche, BMW, Lexus. Their bottom were Jeep and Fiat. And then you go over to the dependability study that uh, Lexus, I mean, sorry, that J.D. Powers put out. And the top of their list is Lexus again, Porsche again, but Toyota's up there too, and Jeep and Fiat at the bottom. My point is you've got two big poles, both have a lot of individual owner input. They're done totally different. The tops and the bottoms seem to be pretty much in line. But the rest of the polls, the results are totally different, and the order is often uh, way, way different. Like uh, Toyota was in J.D. Powers was number three. They were well down the pack in Consumer Reports. So my point is, what do we tell people that look at polls and they use these things to to make a decision about buying a car, how do we help them get beyond, you know, this a singular poll? What do we tell them? What do you guys tell them? Well, much like any other, you know, you got to do your research, not just one place. Uh, I think you can, since they're both very similar at the top and the bottom, you you know, cars that are very good are very good. But cars the middle that are very is bad where most people are buy very bad. Stuff. Correct. Things in the middle, you just got to do your research. And, uh, you know, I, I'm i not saying don't be swayed by these things, but you have to remember they are just surveys. They're not based on actual, um, you know, this car has been serviced this many times by this dealer. It's based on a survey. How many times have you had your car in? You know, maybe people remember correctly. Maybe they don't. Maybe some people are pickier than others. Uh, it, so these are just surveys. They're not, it's not uh, hard data. Anyone else? Yeah, I mean, I would just say kind of triangulate your information. There's so much information online, on TV, that, you know, if you really, I mean, buying a car is such a big decision that you should really be putting in your research. And I'd say most times that if, while there is some inconsistency poll to poll, if you go through like a dozen different uh, outlets, they should all roughly say the same thing. You should start seeing the best cars rise the at the top. Right. You'll find these trends. And if all else fails, I mean, start going on to forums and look up what real owners actually have to say about the cars. Granted, you'll run into the nut jobs who are just going off about Easy. whatever. <laughs> I mean, I certainly can be classified as a nut job. No. But, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean, there's just so much information. And just make sure you get as much as you can. And you'll, just, you'll naturally start seeing trends. Buy what you like and just take care of it. Here's something also to remember. Uh, 30 years ago or 25 years ago, these polls were mostly about things gone wrong, things that break. Because cars are so incredibly reliable today, these polls, if you read the fine print, often cars get marked down the most because you don't like the way the infotainment system works. Or the government says I should get 40 miles per gallon, I'm only getting 35. So a lot of the things that people mark down cars on today are subjective. Uh, Yeah, it's exactly what I was going to say. It's become much less about, like, facts and figures and more about, like, how satisfied are you with this? Exactly. Satisfied can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. Infotainment is definitely – Caused a lot of problems recently yep. with them yeah. freezing up. Sorry, one, of our, one of our commenters wants to know, I mean, what's the effect of the fact that dissatisfied customers are more likely to respond than somebody who's just kind of okay with their car? Like, well, does that's that very, sway it? Good point. That's very true. I will say I think the Consumer Reports reader space is extremely loyal about filling out them. They have this poll. But what Consumer Reports has done 
is it used to be all about their readers, but now they basically use their own test data along with readers. And uh, J.D. Powers is a 35,000 blind poll. It's very scientific. So I think both of those kind of get beyond that, uh, you know, the fact that most people only respond when they've got a negative. There's a good Buick joke in there, but it's yeah. probably not appropriate. Oh, that was a can't say that. <laughs> All right, thanks, guys. You're Let's move on it. now to our. Uh, <laughs> yeah, all right, any other any rants and raves? Anything that's um, in the last few weeks that seems to mm. bubble to the surface? We haven't had that much really rotten weather, so yeah, really good weather actually. Yeah. Global huh. warming. What's the deal? That's happy. my rant. That's well, not global warming anymore. Sorry, no, it's, it's climate, climate change. change. Yes. Well, what worries me is we've had such a warm uh, winter and, and early spring. I just worry about what August and September are going to be like, or July and August. So. Um, have you noticed, or has anybody noticed, uh, an increase in the propensity of everybody tailgating everywhere you go? I mean, it's like— It doesn't really surprise me anymore. It seems to be ratcheting up, that no matter where you go, there's someone who you can't see the grill, basically, and you know they're just on you. And, of course, what's the natural reaction when you get tailgated? You slow down. Mm-hmm. You know, just because you're Reach irritated. for your tire iron. <laughs> right. That's usually what I do, right. um, as you've seen. Well, I have a recommendation when you're finished. No, I'm done. I had a Dakota pickup with no rearview mirror that mm-hmm. I drove for a couple of years. It's the most peaceful thing ever. <laughs> well, you know what? It's you funny you mention that. When, it, when it's night, or even when it's not night, if somebody pulls up behind me, I very make a big deal about reaching up to the mirror and turning it so I can't see them. Now, I've obviously still got side mirrors, so i got some clue what's going on. And I'm sure that's not the safest thing in the world to do. But it's like, dude, if you're behind me that close, I don't want to see you. And I just want to tune you out. So I, I just think it. it's I awesome that you said dude. I'm too old to use that word, or maybe because I am old, I'm using that we word. We need to isolate that and use that as a sound drop. Dude. <laughs> All right, we have a viewer question. James asked. James. Um, New vehicles have adaptive or automatic emergency braking that we test for here on MotorWeek. Do they recognize motorcycles as well as cars? He's talking about uh, when the automatic braking senses something in its past. Just wondering because I'm a motorcyclist as well as a driver. I think you're pretty much out of luck. Some of them have pedestrian detection. Which I guess looks would. for a smaller mass. Correct, but I think you're pretty much. Out of, I mean, because remember when we started testing mm-hmm. the braking things, like well, cardboard boxes and stuff like that, it wouldn't work on those. Yeah. we had to have a very big. I think we should get a motorcycle. We should get a motorcycle. Well, dummy I mean, now. I think there's a different level <laughs> of attention me. needed for a motorcycle too. I mean, I think it's a lot easier to be distracted while you're driving a car. Now, I'm not saying you can't be distracted while you're driving a motorcycle, but I just think the need for it. In a motorcycle isn't quite well, what no, it is. No, 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 no. He's talking no. about no, can the, the systems in the car recognize a motorcycle. Oh, I'm sorry, James. I'm an idiot. For him as a motorcycle. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He doesn't want to get He's worried about okay. getting rear-ended by the I, tailgate. I'll be honest with you, James. I would not assume that the automatic braking systems will see you because you're, if you're directly in front of a car – you have a very small cross section that that yeah. car is. So you should up. just constantly swerve in the lane. Yeah, it might help. Absolutely. Yeah. Mm. Uh, chances no, are do that. the ones that have pedestrian uh, detection will probably work okay. But we found, I don't know about you, I've, eh, every car we drive, the systems seem to be set to a different degree of sensitivity. Yeah. Some you can drive all the time and you never get a warning about getting too close. Uh, others, the uh, Chrysler Pacifica we've got, every time you got the least little bit close to somebody, the bells and whistles th- went off. I think, and also some of them, especially, I think 
uh, in particular Volvo, from what mm-hmm. I can remember, is, a lot of those are getting better at sort of tracking movement with, right. within its field of view as that's opposed to pedestrian just, just, right, just sort of like bouncing a signal back. And if something bounces yeah. back that's wide, it's like, oh, it must be a car. So I think as they all sort of get to that next level where they can sort of track movement within their, you know, cone of view that i'm sure that'll come into it because i know that i've read stuff about them trying to track like dogs or like deer mm-hmm. or like you know Cyclist. animals in front Moose. of because you're going to need all of that for for autonomous moose. driving exactly yeah. so give a little bit of time yeah moose moose would scare me just keep an eye on your moose six from this point me. out though yeah, moose you know the, the prospect of a uh, what 1500 pound moose coming through the windshield not LED brake lights on yeah. your bike, too. Yeah, yeah that might be a, a big help, James. Make sure you're as visible as possible. Okay, uh, I think that pretty much wraps up our podcast number 157. I want to thank everybody around the table. Brian Robinson, Ben Davis, Greg Carlos, Patrick Lucas. Patrick's also the producer of our podcast. Our audio engineer, Jim Bigwood, who always works very hard to make sure that we sound good, even if what comes out of our mouth isn't very intelligent. And our podcast creator, Bob Mixter. And I was only talking about myself, guys. Hmm. Everybody out there, we hope you enjoyed the Facebook Live uh, podcast today. Let us know. Joe, anything else before we um, – Joe Ligo, who's been running the uh, the whole Facebook Live thing today. We got anything else? Anything uh, else? A, a couple of agreements on the, the tailgating thing. Yeah, I mean, we thank you very much. Yeah, I agree with those. <laughs> They're driving down the road and tailgating. And, uh, one, and one thank you. Uh, yeah. The guy said thank you because Motor Week is to blame for his uh, automotive obsession. I was going to say for his automotive accident. Thanks. No, 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 the no, obsession no. is a good thing. So he, he blames you guys for making him be addicted to cars, which, I mean, what, We what will accept do? that responsibility. As long as you're not addicted to anything else, that's cool. <laughs> Thanks, everybody, for watching. <laughs> and for those you listening today, uh, remember well Motor Week it. can be seen every week on most public television stations across the country country, as well as on the Velocity Cable Channel. Till next time, I'm John Davis. For all of us at Motor Week, keep the sunny side up, and thanks for being a part of Motor Week. You've been listening to the podcast of Motor Week, television's original automotive magazine. Motor Week is made possible by TireRack.com, RockAuto.com, and State Farm. For additional information on podcasts, videos, and showtimes, visit our website at MotorWeek.org. And watch Motor Week, television's longest-running automotive magazine series, each week on your local PBS station.